I like watching this podcast. This it's not a podcast, I guess. That's just a show on Facebook called Lateral with Tom Scott. He asked like these interesting questions. So like one of them was like um, Air Force One took off and landed, and it was no longer Air Force One. Why? Right? And he's got a bunch of comedians, or I guess they're comedians. I don't know. They're smart people. I don't. Know. I don't know influencers. And uh, you know, they all try to guess what 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 the reason was. Uh, wait, do you know the answer to this one? No, I do not. I mean, I can guess. Take a guess. Take a guess. What do you think it is? Because whoever was the president on the plane was no longer the president when it landed. So who who was the only president that that could have possibly happened to? Nixon. Okay. He resigned, uh, got on the plane. It was Air Force One. And then who took Carter took over, right? It was before my time. I'm from 1980, but it was Carter who took over, I think, right? Uh, whoever took over, I, I, I look forward to your emails of how stupid I am about American history. Um, uh, became president and the plane changes its call. It's no longer Air Force One anymore because right. the president's no longer on the plane. So anyway... So he did one. There's a podcast called, I want to say, The School of Fish is what it's called. Um, And he asked the group, uh, and the reason I thought it was relevant because it's about a podcast. The School of Fish podcast released their 500th episode. But it wasn't their 500th episode. They released it one number short. Why? And... They figured out that the show is associated with QI, which is this British uh, TV show. It's about general knowledge. It's a great show. If you haven't watched it, check it out. And then they start getting into it. They're like, it must be like a nerd number. Like, do they skip like the pi or like E or the, the guy's like, oh, keep going, keep going. Up until the 400th episode, it was fine. The girl was like, so one of the communities was like, did they skip 420? And he's like, they would have celebrated 420. Like, which one? <laughs> They skipped 404. Ah. Uh. And no one noticed. <laughs> well, because it wasn't found. So, so they went 403 to 405. And I guarantee, I don't know when that came out, but I would love to assume that the timing of that was equivalent to um, the Mr. Robot episode where he like visits his family home and the family home is not there and the address is 404 main way or something like that or whatever it is um Uh, and and by the way going back to the american history bit of it the only reason i know the answer and didn't know the person was really because of the movie not because of history Do you have files or email to move from one platform to another? Or maybe you're doing a digital transformation from on-premise servers to the cloud. Check out MoveBot, one of our premier sponsors here at All Things MSP. Moving files and email during a transition, onboarding, or upgrade can be time-consuming, tedious, and be derailed by surprises and risks. Reduce your technician workload and increase migration reliability with MoveBot. Check out MoveBot using our special link, which you can find in the description of this post, or just go directly to atmsp.link forward slash MoveBot. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Things MSP podcast. My name is Justin Eskar. With me always is my good friend, 
what looks to be a Jedi fight happening in the background there. Mr. Eric Anthony, what's up, dude? Are you uh, are you light side or dark side, my friend? I think I tend towards light side. Um, yeah. Funny story. I did actually, because I was playing with the colors to see if I could get away from red and blue, because it's not yeah. really on brand, right? It really should be red and orange, but it just looks all red when I do that. The orange like, really doesn't. It just looks like the daytime. You should just be outdoors. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I recently found out that there was a, uh, getting a little nerdy about Star Wars, and I'm not a big Star Wars person, right? But you got your blue lightsaber, you got your green lightsaber, everybody knows those. You got Samuel Jackson's purple lightsaber. Apparently, there was also a yellow and a white lightsaber, and the white lightsaber were for people who had like, the omnipotent force or whatever it is. Um, if I'm getting this wrong, I look forward to your tweets and emails. <laughs> Which I'm sure will be coming in in mass because great percentage of Star Wars fans in the group. Uh, I think there's most people that if, if you're a Star Wars fan and you're uh, a part of the ATMSP Facebook group, facebook.com slash all things MSP, um, I am ready to take on you as a keyboard warrior because that's what Facebook is for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we, we have a guest tonight. See, like I'm joking on my own jokes. We have a guest today. I love it when we have a guest. I say that often. Uh, we have the most interesting man in the world. Screw that Dosecki's guy, Mr. Jeff Farris, CEO of Cloud Radio. Let's bring him up. Jeff, hey. how are you, man? Good. Hey, Eric. Hey, Justin. Good to good to be with you guys. Thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Why don't you uh, Why don't you give everybody like a two minute like who you are, what's Cloud Radial, and, uh, you know, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Favorite ice cream flavor? That's a tough one, you know, because my first job was in an ice cream store, and, man, when you get to taste everything, you know, you kind of create your own concoctions, right? So uh, it's nothing better than being 15 in an in a ice cream shop, right? Let me just tell you, that was like the <laughs> dream job, right? So good life, good times. Uh, you're right, and I appreciate that. The I am the most interesting man in the world because uh, because I'm the only one I really know well, so that's good. Uh, and um, and then just I think I'm interesting if nothing else because I've got the Dyson fan back behind me, right? I mean, I kind of would kill for Eric's background um, <laughs> because again, the Dyson fan. I don't know. I don't know what it says about me, but I, I think well, it makes a statement. I'm not sure. So. If you angle it correctly, because in the pre-show when we were talking and, and you were in a smaller window, it actually looked like the window in an airplane. So I was really impressed that you were joining our podcast from your private plane. Yeah, I'm just taking a break from that. Um, yeah, we're just we're in a refueling area right now. So it's good. It's all good. So. All right. So I'll, I'll read you my question. So we'll start with. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Tell us all about yourself in Cloud Radial. And um, if you had an airplane, would it be called Cloud Radial Force One? Of course it would. Of go. course it would. Right. You know, well, then it'd actually be called Cloud Radial Force Two because there would be two of them. Right. So I'm not sure which one I'd be on. Right. So. Okay. But uh, so why don't we tell everyone what's what is Cloud Radial and what's it do for MSBs? So Cloud Radial really simply is all things client, right? So if all the client touch points we pull together in a single unified client portal, sounds exciting, doesn't it? Pull together everything client into a single unified client portal. Uh, it includes ticketing, training, uh, assessments, um, you know, CSAT, 
everything that they would, everything an MSP would want to present, and especially reporting, Office 365 reporting, ticketing reporting. The, if you have Cloud Radial as an MSP, basically you turn your uh, relationship with the client from an email and phone relationship into an online relationship, a digital relationship. So everything you'd want to give to them is in the portal. Everything they want to give to you is in the portal. Basically, the Cloud Radial makes an MSP work like every other vendor that small business works with. Um, and so the last time somebody submitted an email ticket to Amazon to order something has been like never. Uh, the last time you submitted a ticket to AT&T to order a new phone has been never. Uh, and for an MSP, when you have Cloud Radial, uh, you have that unified client experience. Uh, basically, the last the, the 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 last time that they will send you an email by uh, a ticket by email will be never right. So, uh, and it creates a huge efficiency for both the client for the MSP and really does take that MSP into a, a full uh, digital relationship with clients. It's very scalable, right? Because that's the goal, right? Everybody, if you've got more than one client, scalability is a factor, and putting that into a digital experience makes that uh, a, a very scalable endeavor. So that's awesome. Um, you know, a, a lot of times I, I always feel like uh, MSPs are always looking for like that single pane of glass. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you're kind of doing that, but for the client side, as opposed to the, the MSP side, right? The client now has a single pane of glass to be able to access all of the components that an MSP would be providing to that client, right? It's really single pane of glass for both. And, and what's interesting is when you start pulling together ticketing, 365, backup, all these different reports into a single pane of glass for the client, you also have a single pane of glass for the account manager as well or for that MSP. And being able to work with the clients online and digitally just means that, uh, again, that you create that scalability. It, not Your clients want that single pane of glass too. They don't know what an MSP does. They don't know what even they're supposed to do. And they just know you from your invoice typically, right? So yeah. uh, when you send them a $5,000 invoice a month, that's usually all the description they get, unless you give them a, 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 a QBR or business review and they don't want those, right? I mean, you don't want the lighting company. You don't want the, the electric company coming out and tell you about their transformers and poles and how they comply with all the federal standards. And neither does the client want to know about all the things you're doing for security. You're either secure or you're not secure. You're keeping them secure. You're not keeping them secure. From a client perspective, that's about all they want to know. I, I love that you're saying this because I'm literally having this argument with like other MSPs I know and even my own team because like the the idea of like, there was this cartoon that came, uh, came, I mean, it's been out for a long time, but it came back around my desk the other day where it was like a person who's like, everything's broken. What are we paying for you, paying you for? And then the bottom one was like, Everything's been working fine. What are we paying you for? Mm -hmm. And like the idea that the client, like I've never questioned uh, my water company or my electric company. Mm -hmm. My lights just work. I don't care. You're right. Like I don't care about the transformers. I don't care about the wiring. I don't care. Do my, does it work or does it not? And I've never asked them for a report. And I find it funny that in our industry that that is like somehow or other the norm that the clients get to like press on to be like, what have you done for me lately? Uh, which it, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be at all. It should be, you should not give it what I've done for you lately. Uh, you're able to work and make money as a business. 
Well, well it's, it's actually even worse than that. I mean, because when uh, a client asks what the MSP does and, and they're looking to that MSP to be their technology leader and innovator, maybe even their VCIO, and the MSP goes, let me show you what we've been doing for you. Let me print this report and show you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the MSP is is basically using, you know, 1940s technology, right? To print and present a report to, to their clients where they're showing them that they're the technology innovator that's there to help them meet these challenges, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's painful to watch these MSPs do that. And then what's even worse than that, when you're having to print and present, and basically you're always on a defensive posture, you're always on, you know, your back on your heels because the client is kind of ticked off that you're charging them money. Because again, yeah. you're either not doing anything or um, you're doing it wrong. Um, and so they're just ticked because you, you even exist, that they even need you. They don't know why they need you. Um, and then when you're in there to defend yourself, you basically put them to sleep with all this technical data they're not interested in, right? And at the end of the day, you an MSP, because of the way this is structured right now, the MSP never gets a chance to listen to the client and find out where that client's going, what they're going to do next, because they're always in there defending the business they did. They really don't have a good quality experience to talk about the business they're going to do, right? And yeah. so it, not only is it, painful to have to do business reviews um, based on data that you know you have to print and present but it just sets the tone all wrong for anything you want to do down the road and and what we're seeing with the trends in the industry with ai with automations all of this stuff you know that msp if we don't change things the msp is going to get way behind the curve um, in the next five years just hopelessly behind the curve with where their clients want to go with what the what the msp can actually do for them I mean, I, I, I agree. there's part of that. And Eric, you can touch on this one because you've said this before about, you know, the MSP needs to not just be uh, fixing things and, and, and saving money. You need to be able to help the client make money, which means you need a seat at the table, which is kind of like what Jeff is talking about here, which is like, where do you want to go with it? MSPs, I believe, need to really step up their fractional CTO skills, which that is not easy for a lot of people. Uh, um, and be able to like bring that to the forefront because I feel like, and Jeff, you're dead on with like the, the printing of the report, you know, it's so archaic and to say like, this is every, and, and I, you know what you said defensive and I got, I p p pissed me off a little bit cause I got defensive cause I realized that like I had a client who, you know, called me a couple weeks ago and she, and they were like, the only reason I pay my bill is cause you answer my immediate text messages you know, these are all, I, it's so high and I don't know what I'm getting from you, but you, you respond to me and that's why I'm paying you. And I got defensive about it. Now I'm getting defensive about being defensive. You know what? I'm done. I'm done here, Eric. <laughs> so let me play devil's advocate for just a second. Not that I disagree, but I think this needs to be mentioned that traditionally up until now, up until the last probably four or five years, MSPs have been a nice to have rather th rather than a have to have. We have not been in that position of a utility like the electric company. I also think that we lack the standards and the compliance of a regulated industry like the electric company or like the phone company. 
for good or bad, right? But I think what's happened then is there's such a disparity between one MSP and another that they do kind of wonder what they're paying for. Because with the electric company, you don't have to understand electricity to know what you're paying for. You're paying for power to come to the house. And when you go to a light switch for that always to be able to turn turn on, which theoretically at this stage in the game is where the IT industry needs to be. We need to be more or less a utility because we are depended on as much as electricity is. Now, so go ahead, right. Jeff. So, well, so there is a, there's a commoditization of IT that has to be there, right? And so do we have good solid equipment? Is it, you know, is it efficient? Uh, is it secure? Uh, those are basically commodities now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, an MSP is supposed to design that and, and deliver it. But to remember your, you know, the typical MSP now, if, if they're doing things correctly, are charging way north of $100 per seat. Uh, some MSPs are charging more than $200 a seat. And we're talking about $100 to $200 a seat for a piece of equipment that costs about $60 a month, right? So the MSP is making more than Apple is um, on, on these devices, right? Now, if you go back a little bit, and, and one of the things the MSP has, again, I'm, I'm, I believe it or not, I'm, I've been around the industry for a while in spite of my youthful appearance, but there was a time before MRR when basically they were MSPs were called more elegantly VARs and integrators, right? So basically yeah. they would start each month with zero in sales and they would have to talk to their client to figure out what to sell them that month to get more revenue, right? And in that phase, the VAR integrator MSP was very tight with their client because they were in there trying to solve problems so they could monetize it and, and pay the bills, right? And then we went to MRR and things all became about the stack, right? And so we need to manage the stack. We need to manage automation. And MSPs went from being very customer focused to being very technically focused. And I think what's getting ready to happen is we're about ready to become very customer focused again. Yep. And, you know, and, and to go to your point, yes, there are, there does need to be standards for MSPs and there does need to be a certain base level of commoditization where when one MSP says you're secure, that actually means you're secure, right? Yep. Um, Canada's going to a letter grade. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of initiatives here. NIST 2.0 is coming out. Uh, there's a lot of things that will help drive some of that. But from a client perspective, let's think about this from the client perspective. And Justin, you know, that client that talked to you is kind of ticked off. Well, let's design this experience from their end back to you, right? Because most of the MSPs today have been so, I call it navel gazing to a certain extent. You're busy looking at your navel, trying to figure out like the meaning of life, the meaning of your stack, which tool is better, which, you know, MDR tool do I want? Do I want MDR? You know, you're so focused on those things to basically create that, that basic level of commoditization that we forget that we're supporting the client as a result of this. And so when we quit looking at our own navel, right? We quit navel gazing, we start looking, we start talking to clients. Now we start seeing it from their perspective. And, and we're a service business that really doesn't emphasize service, right? I mean, yeah. since we emphasize ticketing, but ticketing's not service, right? When I contact Amazon support, 
it's usually something's going wrong, not something's going right. And so if you design your experience from the client in, that's where I think things have to come. And so if you think about from your client's perspective, their experience, the way you've designed it right now, Justin, is around invoicing and ticketing, right? And so uh, if they think about you as a VCIO, it's almost an accident or it's because you've worked with them in depth because the ticketing and the, uh, the invoicing don't necessarily leap out and say, I'm a qualified VCIO and I'm going to help you grow your business, right? Yeah. And so you have to go back and think about what a client wants. And it's the same way Apple does. You know, that client experience for Apple starts as soon as you open the box, you know, and then everything's designed. And then when you get to it, it, hopefully it just works. But you kind of get way into the path before you realize that maybe FaceTime doesn't do what you want it to do and you have to use another application, right? Or whatever it is. But Apple's push that so far down in the customer experience journey that you don't notice it. And so or you, by that point, you're already hooked on the ecosystem. And I think for the MSP, we start from the inside out as to what we're going to do, what tools we're going to use. I mean, if you look at Reddit, it's it's one post after another. Of, I'm getting ready to start an MSP, which, uh, uh, which PSA do I start with, right? I'd love to see the Reddit post go like, I'm getting ready to be an MSP. What do your clients want from you, right? That's the better question to ask, right? What do your clients want? I'm getting ready to start an MSP. What do your clients think that I should be delivering as services to that client, right? Because if you actually ask the client, security efficiency is one thing, but I think there's the next thing is you get into compliance and most MSPs need to understand there's a huge difference between security and compliance. Uh, they're not related at all. Um, and compliance is what their auditors ask about. Their uh, compliance is what uh, their board asks about. Um, that's the first step. Of course, clients don't want compliance either. So that's a kind of an issue. But then the next step after that is productivity. Um, and so how do I get the most out of 365, the tools that I have? Other applications that MSPs don't manage typically, like the CRMs and, and the phone systems and all that, how do I get that wired together? Collaboration, how do I facilitate a, a broad uh, focus on inside that small, medium business? Now, a lot of times emerging enterprise clients that MSP service, how do I make them more collaborative and, and basically drive things? And then the last thing that every MSP should be thinking about for their clients is how to help that client make better decisions and how to get them better insights to make better decisions, right? Because in the in this scheme of things, if you want to be VCIO, you have to, at the end of the day, deliver outcomes that help that small medium business grow. And that comes from data, insights, collaboration, mobility, you know, all the things that, that, that what the client wants, you know, but we've been trained almost as an industry to focus on security, right? And so, again, let me... I, if you notice, I can, I've got a couple of soapboxes here I can pull out and I can, I can stand on. Right. But, um, but the, the big thing is we don't start from the client side out. We start with our PSA and it, to me, that's just the wrong conversation. I, I am loving every piece of this because fun, what's funny is you don't even, I run an Apple consultancy. So when you start talking about Apple stuff, I was like, does he know? Um, and the aces conference acesconf.com is all about the business side of it consulting not the technical because i'm trying to teach people and we do that here on the podcast and we talk a lot about it in the facebook group 
it's not about the technology. The amount of conversations I get sucked into with like, what PSA should I use? Who cares? Just use, <laughs> use whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, because really what you're saying about it being client centric is so, so important. I've had fights with people about being a, an official Apple consultant, right? So there's a program at Apple called the Apple Consultants Network. Mm -hmm. I am a member of it. And I have had literal arguments with people who, you know, and they're friends or whatever, but like, I'm like, you're missing the C in ACN. You're not being a consultant. You're being the plumber who's fixing the pipes because they said that, you know, FaceTime's not working or Word's not working or whatever. You're not bringing anything to the table. Now, what's even funnier about this is that particular client who I was talking about earlier, years ago, a good friend of mine showed me how he was doing kind of like a QBR-ish document. And uh, my client agreed to let my friend, who was a consultant, you know, my competition, but in a different area, he was up and down, go through this with them. And I put together a whole plan and built it out. And I'm thinking to myself now, and this is pre-pandemic, I'm thinking to myself now, like, I was like, okay, we bought them new servers, we got them new computers, we got them new Wi-Fi and new this and new that. I was like, at the end of the day, they dropped like $50,000 of, you know, hardware and labor. Did they make the ROI on that? Did, did we actually produce anything to make them <clears throat> work faster, work better, work smarter? Truth be told, probably not. You know, sure, they're they're more secure. And I think every MSP who does Office 365, and I joke around about this, saying like, um, all of you do Office 365, stop saying that's what you do, because like we all do it, like get a different thing to work on. But like to say like I do, I secure your Office 365. Why? Because you've gone into their tenant and you like looked at that security score thing and like did everything that's in the list for you to do. That's right. not being a consultant. You're not doing shit for the client. I'm cursing a lot in this episode. Eric's getting mad because he's going to have to bleep me like nine times. Um, but like, you're not doing anything for the client like that. The client doesn't care. The client wants to know, uh, the client wants to know, can I get to my email when I take my trip to Aruba, which is not in the United States. And therefore you've blocked it because you've locked down all of our stuff so tight because you tell me we're secure. And then they go to Aruba and it works and you're, and, and they go, oh, thanks for making it work. And then you realize I didn't do it. I didn't set it up right from the get go. <laughs> Yeah. I right. mean, Jeff, I, I share, you know, one of your soapboxes is clearly customer experience. Um, and I, I share that one very deeply because I believe that that is where, you know, we have to go, not just from a consulting framework, but because that's how people want to interact. And I think having a customer centric portal, which is what cloud radial is bringing to the market gives them that portal, that access that they're looking for that, like you said, that they get from Amazon and those other places that they're always interacting with. And it gives them, it gives them the access to that information when they want it, rather than having to wait for the MSP to run a report or schedule a QBR or something like that. So, you're welcome to come help out our marketing team because that's that's exactly the pitch, right? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, we had this we had this campaign we ran calling, you know, we need to, you need to kill the QBR, and we got so much, you know, trolling in a sense for that, right? People in the industry, right? And you know, 
what we were talking about was killing the QBR the way it's done today because they're not client business reviews, they're MSP business reviews, right? And right. basically you're reviewing your business for the client when that's not really what the client's interested. And then surprisingly, the clients don't, you know, they defer or don't show or don't pay attention during those meetings. I was talking to one MSP and he said, we've got it all nailed down, Jeff, because you don't understand. We go in there, we talk for 45 minutes, we ask them questions, and then we, you know, we pack it up and our clients are fine. <laughs> like, I don't think they are. You know, I don't think that's what they hired you for. And that's really what they want to talk about is how, you know, you're managing their transformers and wiring, right? I just don't, right. I, yeah. I could be wrong, but I think maybe you're not reading the body cues, you know, well, who are you talking not, to in those businesses? I would love oh, to know if that, that guy still has those clients too. That would be the other thing. Like, Well, then what happens is you need to find yourself talking to whoever you get pushed down to. You talk to the office manager, you talk to the assistant office manager, you talk to the intern, you know, you keep getting pushed down the stack because you're not that interesting. If you're <laughs> interesting, they will push you to the CEO. They will push you to the board. Right. If you're interesting and you have things that will help that business grow or really become more efficient, the office manager will walk and say, look, stop right now. We got to go. You got to go tell what you just told me to the CEO. If they're yeah. not doing that, yeah, you're not really having an but effective the, business. The other problem you have is to be none of them are going to be first. And then you have to be strategic to stay. I was well, going to say, no one could be interesting because obviously, as we determined in the beginning of the episode, you're the most interesting person clearly right yes i mean that's duh uh, so so if you think about it when you're say your your sink isn't draining right you call the plumber and you probably got a favorite plumber in the book right but if that plumber's busy you call another plumber and you don't think twice about it right yeah yeah because it's it's commodity you know unclogging a sink is a commodity service when you need an agreement done and you call your attorney and your attorney's on vacation, you don't call another attorney. You wait for your attorney to get back from vacation, right? Because that attorney is strategic to you, right? He understands your business. He or she understands your business, understands what you're trying to accomplish, understands the risk factors your business faces, and understands basically how to engineer your agreements to help you grow your business, right? And if you look at the MSP, if you can't, if they can't get into FaceTime or they can't get into, do they really need to call you? I mean, they call you because of your contract, but in the plumber analogy, couldn't they just call anybody that understands FaceTime and get that problem fixed? Yeah. And yeah, that's so the risk the MSP has. And their growth. nephew. Right. Their nephew, whoever. And if they can call another MSP and get the same answers that you would give them, you're a commodity. Right. Yeah. And that's what that's what MSPs are missing, because, again, they focus on the tools, not on the client. Yeah. So 100% agree. Your, your next marketing uh, campaign is going to be don't be a plumber. <laughs> hashtag, oh, hashtag don't be a I plumber. I, and I'll and let me just let me just create a little controversy here. Um, because I have this personal peeve. And, and again, I'd be curious to see how this this flies. But I'm not a big fan of the logos on the shirts, right? Um, yes. yes. No, I'm with you. I'm 100% so, with you. So if you think about who shows up at your house or at your business with a logo on the shirt, it's never your attorney. It's never your accountant, <laughs> right? It's never an interviewee, right? 
it, it basically, when you show up, you define through the way that you communicate subtle clues as to who you are and what knowledge you have. And if you basically build your relationship around ticketing and printed reports and boring QBRs, and you show up with your name on your shirt, again, the combination of all of that just pigeonholes you as a guy that's smarter than the nephew, but not as smart as your attorney, right? And if you want to become that VCIO and you want to become that professional and you want to create that professional relationship with that client, I think you got to dress the part, act the part. And then, you know, we feel like with cloud radio, you need to carry that into the digital experience. So when they deal with you, they don't deal with a, you know, a really clunky ticketing portal or an email. They talk with you with a portal that's their IT hub, not just your portal to submit a ticket. I'm I'm 100% on board with this. And it's funny because I'm hoping, I think he left. My HVAC guy was here earlier and he was wearing a polo with his thing. And I love my HVAC guy. He's a very nice guy. Mm -hmm. But yes, it does show a commodity. I, I make it a point when I used to go into the city more often pre-pandemic, you know, you dressed professionally. I would wear a nice pair of jeans or slacks and like a button down shirt or a sweater or, you know, something like that. I never... And as much as I'm a, I'm a huge branding whore, I'm the first person to admit it. Okay. I have virtual, I have my logo on a pillow back here, but like I never, I have a virtual hoodie. I'll wear that only at home. I will never wear my brand out. I might have it on like, I have a, like a patch on my backpack, but my backpack is virtual blue. So it's on brand with what we're doing or close to. Um, but I would never wear it on a shirt. And I 100% agree with you. I was at an event, um, insert someone's name here. I'm not going to say who. But like the amount, there was a big room, probably like 200 MSPs. And I was probably like one of three Apple consultants in that entire room, if not. I think, I think maybe one of two. And uh, I knew everybody just by the shirt they were wearing. The, the gray or black polo with their logo embroidered here that they got at the at the kiosk in the mall they bought five for you know 20 bucks knock that off knock it off <laughs> yeah you know i get a lot of a lot of flack from our own marketing team because at trade shows you know if you ever see us at a trade show all of our people in the booth all the guys in the booth will be wearing sport coats Sure. Right. Because my feeling is we need to dress up to earn the respect of our clients. And if I'm advising clients on how to run their MSP, which we are, because every tool vendor in this space is doing that, uh, we ought to go in there and treat them professionally and ought to look professional when we deal with them. Now, again, I get pushback all the time. Like, don't we want polos with our logos? Don't we want, you know, it's like, no, we're business yeah. consultants. We're business professionals. And as painful as it is, you know, we're going to wear a sport coat, even in Vegas in the summer, right? Because I, that's, who we a suggestion? that's what we do. Let's do for your team. Uh, we'll just get them printed cloud radial undergarments. So that way the marketing team is happy. We, have we and, do have that. And there you go. And no one has to see it. No one has to see it. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's, I, I, I'd stand up and show you, but it's, you know, <laughs> I would think it's probably a little more family show than, than I, than I wouldn't be comfortable with. Uh, you haven't listened to some of our, we try. Episodes. No, no, it's all a mess. Um, so, okay, so let's bring it back to, to finish up with Cloud Radio. So this tool is, you, you basically, you built a tool that matches kind of the persona you're talking about with the professionalism front, 
right? We talked about it being a single pane of glass. We talked about it being, your tool is basically presenting the MSPs as a person in a sports coat for their client, giving that client the access that they need to get to. Um, this sounds wonderful. And I feel like a lot of MSPs would love to get in on this. What is their first step to get in with cloud radial? What's, you know, what, what kind of every, every MSP wants to know, like, what's my barrier to entry? Um, what do they need to do to get in? What, what does it work with? What does it not work with? It, we work with five major PSAs, Autotask, uh, ConnectWise, Halo, Kaseya, Synchro. So we work with just all the major PSAs that are out there today. We work with Office 365. The easiest way is to go to the website, cloudradial.com um, and sign up for a demo. Again, you know, I'm not a big demo guy, but I've always found every time I, I do a demo, I get smarter, right? Because I understand what they're trying to solve. I understand what they're trying to do. And I actually get educated on things I never thought about. And again, we see that a lot. And I can't tell you how many demos I've done and our team has done. And we get those little head moments, you know, when, when the MSP goes, I get it. I understand what you're doing, right? And so that's always a lot of fun. Because again, until you see cloud radial and understand, and understand it from the client side, it's kind of hard. We put the product together in a way that we, there's a there's a one last thing to, to leave everybody with, and that's what we call engagement maturity. And so if you think about operational maturity, which is, you know, basically how to run your MSP more effectively, more efficiently, more profitably. If you think about that, that's kind of like the way you design a kitchen, right? So you want your kitchen to produce food that's hot, fresh, tastes good, all of that stuff. But if you don't have a wait staff, to deliver that food to from the kitchen, it doesn't work. And so we built around this concept of engagement maturity that mirrors operational maturity, but from the client perspective. And the five levels is, you know, it starts off at the chaotic level, which is where most people are today, to be honest, where they're ticketing, phone calls, you know, every ticket's a snowflake, everything's a problem. Um, and so from there you move to structured, transparent, collaborative, and strategic. And what we found in, in developing this framework is every large MSP, every larger MSP is moving or has moved to that strategic level. And that's where you get out of the, hey, we're here to fix your printer, right? Or here to unclog your sink to a point of like, hey, we're here to help you grow. Tell me more about where you're going as a business and let me help with my experience, help figure out what I can do to help you get there. That's awesome. All right, so go to cloudreader.com, click on book a demo. I'm sure in the forum it'll ask, had you here? Don't say ATMSP. Say you want to have a demo done by the most interesting man in the world, Mr. Jeff yeah, Farris. Basically, I've hired people just as interesting as myself. So um, almost anybody that gives you the demo is rock solid, right? It's fascinating. Awesome. Jeff, any final words before we depart for the day? No, not really. I mean, geez, stay warm. This is maybe a little topical, but... Jeez, <laughs> you know, yeah. some, some real challenging times out there, uh, but never a better time to be an MSP. The, the world is getting ready to change dramatically with, with uh, AI automations. Uh, again, I, again, I've been around this industry a long time, and I don't think MSPs are really cognizant yet of how much change is in store for them. But at the end of the day, the clients are going to be spending more money because things are getting more complicated, and there's never been a better time to be an MSP. So. Life is good. Uh, it's good we to be can't think of a better way to end the show. So 
From Eric, I'm Justin. This has been the All Things MSP Podcast. Follow us on all of your favorite podcast apps. You're listening to one right now. Check us out, youtube.com slash at all things MSP. Join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash at all things MSP. Uh, you'll find where we got links for merch, buy a t-shirt. We have a lot of new stuff coming in this year, 2024. A lot of fun stuff. Eric and I have a lot of business conversations about to have, and we're going to be bringing you all awesome content. Uh, not only the podcast, check out the live stream on Wednesdays. There's so much going on. I can't, I can't even get into it. It'll be a whole nother episode. So from Eric, I'm Justin. That's it. Bye. SuperOps is actively engaged in helping all MSPs improve their business. If you did not attend one of their super summits in 2023, all is not lost. They've taken some of the great content shared at those events and turned them into eBooks. The first one is called Skyrocketing MSP Revenue from 1 million to 10 million do's and don'ts with Dave Patel from Build Right. It contains 12 pages of helpful tips and guidance for MSPs to grow their revenue. Check it out. There's a link in the description or go to atmsp.link forward slash superops ebook one. A big thanks to superops for sharing this kind of content with the community. From your host, Justin Escar and myself, thank you for listening to the All Things MSP podcast. Join the All Things MSP Facebook group or follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. The All Things MSP podcast is a BizPow LLC production. And even though we drink a lot of it, this podcast is still not sponsored by Liquid Death. And now that you've watched that mess of a podcast, don't forget to watch one of these and go ahead and click that subscribe button so you get to watch more. Yeah, just go ahead and do it. Click the button and then watch.